I'm Cassidy Hall. I am Kevin Johnson. I'm Carl McCollman, and we are Encountering Silence. Encountering Silence is made possible by listeners like you. Please visit www.patreon.com slash encountering silence. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash encountering silence to learn how you can be part of the circle and share in our efforts to bring silence into our all-too-noisy world. This week, part two of the meditative conversation with the poet and silence practitioner Ando. We pick up where we left off last, mid-conversation. As, as I think you know, one of my interests, obviously, is the question of embodiment. How do we embody prayer? How do we embody silence? How do we embody our gender and our sexuality, our politics, all the way down the line? And one of the things that, that I, I have come to recognize is that being contemplative is like being queer. It's just who you are. And, yeah. and, and you can try to deny it, and then it just pops up some other way, you know. So it's, it's always a delight to, to hear somebody who's, I mean, your life experience is very different from mine <laughs> and probably from all of ours. And yet here, you know, I, here I just, we are. yeah, here we are. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't have, I couldn't have forecast where I am today. If you'd have asked me 40 years ago, I'd have just. I just thought you were ridiculous, to be quite honest. And mm. if you'd have asked me in 2007 when I started to get well enough to move around in the world again, having been effectively trapped in this body, which is how I felt, mm. I discovered, I guess maybe I discovered something about who lived in this body during that time, but I didn't realize it at the time. Mm. That's the difference. I didn't know what I was meeting and I still couldn't have forecast this life path because I was just like, well, now I'll go back to university lecturing, you know, because I had this great career. I was going to be principal. You know? <laughs> I was doing really well. You know? But do you know what happened? This, do you know, um, I've heard Adrishanti say something similar. My partner really wanted to go travel. He didn't say this, but every night after work, I'd be like, just can we just go traveling? Could we just go, can we not go, tra- it's like, yeah, yeah, um, next year, because, like, my career's going really great right now, <laughs> and, like, I'm head of department, or I'm head of this department, I'd really like to be head of the overall department, and then I could be the first woman principal, and, you know, I had all that bull going on, you know, it's like, there's no magic here, there's no, ma- there's no difference between us, you know. And then one day, I used to watch Oprah Winfrey, right? This is super uncool, okay? (laughs) Don't tell Oprah I said that. (laughs) Uh, I used to love the Oprah Winfrey show back um, just before I became ill in 2000. And she said, if you have a wish, you've just got to ask for it and you'll receive it. 
And I was like, I want total change in my life overnight, please. <laughs> should be, what I didn't find out till later was you should be a little bit more clear. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I just went for the kind of the basic, you know, bulls out version of that. And I, three days later, I was just eating my supper and I almost died out of the blue from um, anaphylaxis in the house, just out of the blue, no warning signs, no nothing. And that just swept my career away, my path to being a principal. It took my health, it took my activity. I was a twice a day surfer for 20 years until then. Took everything, everything I knew, whole lot, whew, gone. So quick I couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh, okay, you've got to be careful what you ask for. Well, here we are. And that, you know, it was a rough journey. That was a, and this is where I, I think of Adyashanti because he said some similar moment came to him. And I think in an Oprah interview, she said to him, and, and what, what did you receive? And he was like, everything, you know, everything came. And it's like having your life completely reassembled, really, before your eyes. And it's not necessarily beautiful or painless or... You know, this isn't a joyride. And, um, but somewhere out of all of that, despite trying to get back to that, I'll keep being a professional fine art photographer, I'll keep building really cool websites, I'll keep being a graphic designer, I'll, I'll keep going back to that. I, I wasn't permitted to. It didn't happen that way because the silence came and got me again. And that's perhaps the bit I missed out, which was just before I met my Zen master. I was building websites in a, a really nice house with a pool and infinity pool and smart car and a, I don't know, a Jag or something outside in Mallorca. None of it was mine. I'm not, you know, I'm not very good at ownership. <laughs> I don't seem able to do ownership. Not, not, probably I've tried a few times over the years, but I've had to just go, you know. I'm not really being given anything. <laughs> and building websites. And what would come would be, you need to train as a meditation teacher. And I'm like going, no, no, that's really not convenient right now because I'm building websites. And so I'd be building websites. And you really do need to consider being a meditation teacher until in the end, just which, because people were asking me, to offer them guidance. And I was deeply into my practice for hours a day at this point, as well as building websites. But I didn't see that as a thing, you know? It just was happening. But it became the thing that overwrote everything else. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I am going to have to train as a meditation teacher. It didn't make much sense. I thought, well, maybe I needed to be authenticated in some way that I couldn't see how you could just show people how to meditate, you know. Seems seemed I was used to this university system where you need certificate and you need to prove and ensure and all this stuff. You don't need anything. You really don't. So I just asked all my web design clients because I didn't know where to find the money to pay for my training with this Zen master. So I just wrote to them all and said, I really need to train as a meditation teacher. I'll offer you this deal. You can have a half price website. Uh, you can have it any time you like, but you've got to pay me this week. 
and I need like £2,000 by next weekend. And I had it in, I think, 24, 48 hours. And it was like, boom, you're, you're going to do this. And I went and trained. And then I went on my first session, my first formal session. And then I became this trainee Zen teacher who would have been a really bad Zen teacher. No. He's, he's very blessed that I left. <laughs> I couldn't do all that book study, you know, memorize. I don't know all the 12 this and the 6 that and the 10 the others. I really don't. I've probably read all the books, but, uh, you know, I had ME for seven years. It wiped my memory skills away. So, I, you know, I'm blessed to not have so much interference from that, you know, which is a gift, really. It's another gift. And everything changed through that. That was, that was, but where's the turning point? Is it, is it in the art school with the lecturer going, you need to read Paul Raps and Zen Flesh, Zen Bones? Is it in the chapel, age seven? Is it discovering Tibetan practice of Vajrasattva mantra and discovering that I knew the hundred syllable mantra the moment I saw it? And I just said, oh, I don't need the book because I could just say it. And I was like, well, where did that come from? And, you know, where does that stuff come from? I, I don't want to spend my life finding out, actually. It's, it's not the important thing. The important thing is actually not caring about the finding out. All my friends and family, if they heard that statement, they would like throw their hands up and go, what do you mean that doesn't mean? <laughs> they would freak. <laughs> remind me of my uncle. <laughs> Years ago. What do you mean you want to go to art school? I was like, wow, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm going to art school. That's to my mother. But what's the, what's the, what's it? What's the industrial application of that? And I was like, there isn't one. I can't think like that. And I was like, really? I went to art school for five years, you know. And now I haven't, I, you know, have I industrial applied it? I don't know. It gave me something. A line in The Cloud of Unknowing where the author talks about how religious authors are continually citing their sources, you know, as the great St. Augustine said, or yeah. as the great Thomas Aquinas said, or whatever. And he basically says, I think that's just a show of ego, and so yeah. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and I remember when, when I, I, you know, you know how you read a book multiple times, and every time you read it, it's a new book, you know. It was yeah. probably my third or fourth reading of The Cloud of Unknowing when that line just kind of, you know, smacked me upside the head because I've built a career out of quoting other people, you know, as the great <laughs> Julian Norwich said, as the great Thomas Merton said, as the great Mary Oliver said, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and then here was this very simple line saying, it's just, it's all your ego. It's just all you showing off how much you know. Perfect. Oh. Yeah. I love the cloud. Yeah, the, yeah. The cloud yeah. is the biggest guide that ever hit my life, actually. Mm. I think you asked me about um, could I name people who'd influenced me. And actually, I didn't think because I don't think of the cloud as, I just think of the cloud as the cloud. 
I can't even think about the person who wrote the cloud because mm. the cloud was cloud. Right. That's right. Uh, you know? That's right. And it's like, my God, that, that book, how that came into my life. It's like, yeah, if, if there's a person, it's the cloud. That's, that's my person. I was like, well, you know, I can say Basho. I can say Dogen. These, these are my kind of touchstones, if you like. Mm. But they're, they're not quite that. Merton's a big one for me. Merton's been in my life for many years, one way or another. I don't even remember when Merton came into my path at all. But the cloud, that, that kind of sidelined me a bit. That, that snuck right up on me again. Via a Zen master, my, my former Zen master, um, <laughs> who didn't really speak to me after I left and went off to the forest to sit with someone from a different tradition. I kind of became invisible for quite some years. <laughs> but but he, um, I discovered that um, he hosted a retreat with a guy on the cloud of unknowing, a Christian um, teacher who was running retreats. And I was like, mm, this, this, this is of interest to Zen people then. I was like, what is this? And I was, it just caught my attention. And then I thought, right, let's have a look at this cloud of unknowing. And this was 20, 2013. 2013? No, can't have been. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe 2015. I, I really don't keep records <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe 2015 I was in Menorca at the time and uh, I discovered it and I was like oh it's an interesting book and I started reading it and then suddenly out of the blue my partner decided she needed to go back to Portugal to be in the forest and go back and I was like running this beautiful little ashram come um small holding for a lady out in Menorca with all these, the oldest sheep in Menorca and the oldest canary and the oldest everything. And this book came into my life. And my partner disappeared, just disappeared. Can't, I can't stay here anymore. Can't be here. But, um, you know, you come and join me when the sit ends because I was committed and I was like, I can't leave. And suddenly I was kind of on this island, didn't know anybody at all. There was a Buddhist temple there that I taught some meditation on well, I didn't know anybody. And so I was just alone at the house. I had an online sangha I was working with for one of, another one of my teachers. And the cloud just kind of came and jumped in and this space appeared around me where nobody came and everyone disappeared from, from my life. And it became one of these involuntary solitary retreats and it became a seven week solitary retreat on the cloud of unknowing and it was day and night and I had the audio and I would be running the audio through the night I, would, I don't I can't even say if I was sleeping or not sleeping it was just there, there was there wasn't an edge to reading listening any of it just the cloud just the whole thing enveloped me and of all the teachers I've met in my life before and since, that was the most impactful point in my entire life path. And I reference it occasionally on the course I've been teaching at the moment. Yeah, that that zeroed me. That really zeroed me. <laughs> it's like, and at some point after the seven weeks, I ended up swinging in a hammock outside a caravan in Portugal again back in the forest. 
just going, what am I doing here? My life looks like a wasteland. I'm living in the dust. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I didn't know want to do anything. I was, but I was quite happy to just sit in a hammock and walk in the forest. And people started showing up at my door and got a bit scary for a while for my partner because there was a bit of uh, will a sanger develop or something like this. Mm. Fortunately, I got whisked off and dropped into this other section of forest that I told you about miles away from everyone. So that gave everyone a little bit of breathing space around this. It made it safer to be around me. But I was just, no, what's the word? Yeah, I was totaled by that. That really totaled my life, <laughs> the cloud. So that's, yeah, that's my person, the cloud. Mm. It's, it's, it, there's nothing missing in the cloud and there's nothing added in the cloud that shouldn't be there. If we can just engage with it in the way that it was intended. Our conversation will return after this brief moment of silence. Please take a breath and be present in the silence. one point I felt like just somehow expressing the cloud could be my life's work. Mm -hmm. And in a way embodying that seemed to be the way for some years after that. But at some point I got kicked out of the forest unceremoniously by who knows what energy. And it seemed like now it's householder time and yeah, no money, no food, no house, no nothing. But suddenly I, I had a Patreon and I had patrons and people who wanted to give me donations and people who wanted to support me to just be who I am, which was quite a confusing time. <laughs> there isn't a rule book for that, you know. There isn't a rule book for this life. And so it goes on. And now what's happening with teaching poetry and how that's become, that's like what's been given. I don't know, it feeds me. It actually feeds me. It feeds my partner. It doesn't put a roof over our head yet, but that doesn't stop me. I did it anyway, hungry, hungry and homeless or thirsty. It didn't matter. You know, I've lived in a tent from the supermarket and <laughs> I've done those things and it's been fine I don't know where does poetry come from you said something Kevin about not the words and not not this not that about poetry and in today's session that you'll see when you look 
there's a poetry um, reference. I call it a teaching poem from Yangguan Li or something similar. <laughs> due to my incredible memory powers. <laughs> and he says something along the lines of poetry isn't in the words and it isn't in the meanings. And so if you take away the words and you take away the meanings, there's still poetry there. And it's the poet, you know, the I am a poet who wants to write words part of the teaching i'm sharing at the moment is don't try to be a poet for goodness sake don't spare the world you know i used to read really awful poetry to my poor colleagues at art school i did write poetry back then i got in trouble because i was told i was meant to be in a, a visual arts course but i kept writing poetry <laughs> but um i was like don't don't be like that don't be like i've got to read you this poem because, you know, I've got something to say. I've got nothing to say. Absolutely nothing. Basho said, you want to know about the pine, go to the pine. And this is what I'm sharing through the poetry teaching at the moment, is how to, um, if you want to know silence, go to silence. Let the silence speak. Let the silence write the poem. And if it doesn't want to speak or write, then who cares? Mm. Just enjoy. You're reminding me of a couple things. One, Thomas Merton, uh, when he says, many poets are not poets for the same reason many religious men are never saints. They never succeed in being themselves. And then also early in the conversation where you said, you can't do silence. Silence does you. And just how powerful, um, you know, your work of pointing to a letting go and surrender and these kinds of things that, that we've been discussing, this, you know, almost a, a sense of nothingness. It is, it is the thing. It is the something of our lives. And yeah, it's such a, a rare thing to see um, because all too often religious life becomes about self-help um, instead of a letting go. It's, it's a, it's a tangible, you know, 20 steps to X, Y, Z or, you yeah. know, the quick fix. And we all know that never works, but this surrendering, it's beautiful also in that you can't necessarily point to tangible outcomes but there's a there's a feeling of interconnectedness, I think, with with the deeper mystery, with a deeper truth, an undefinable, undefinable, wordless existence. I don't know how to put it, and I don't even know where I'm going with this. But I just want to <laughs> thank you for your work, and I do hope people will will look for you online. Um, what is your your Patreon page again? I, I say Patreon, you say Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> potato, potato. Slash the unsui T H E U N S U I. I I took the um, the name the unsui online, uh, apart from one reason that Ando was taken. But um, through my spiritual journey, I got given some other names, so I had two other names in between. Actually, th 
yeah, I've had three, three, four spiritual names, but I've returned to Ando because it's it's just the only one that's true. Mm. Uh, but you you can't get to Ando on social media, and it's actually really good because uh, the unsui means. Do you know the term the unsui as like he's is it's a novice monk, mm. and oh. it's like a reminder of be- beginner's mind. Yes. Yeah. Um, it can be a novice monk, and it means drift like clouds, flow like water in Chinese, mm. Japanese, or one of those. I'm a master of not any- knowing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It means something. Um, let's say drift like clouds, flow like water, but it, it means a monastic who will wander from monastery to monastery, so they can be someone who's just starting out on their journey, just left home, as it were. Um, Or they can be someone after awakening who goes master to master in the Zen tradition, seeking confirmation. (laughs) There's another joke. (laughs) It's like, yeah, get some certificates. (laughs) Your classes, where can people find um, my current class is not currently available because I'm kind of te- I'm not teaching it live. I'm I'm delivering it daily. Okay. Um, but as of first of January, it's going to be available that you can access the entire 28 day program, and you could do it as an intensive and do it in a shorter period of time. You could pace it out and do it across six months if you wished. You could you can fit it in your own way. So again, that can be found on the side of my website on ando.life under some heading like courses. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm reopening that. Uh, I think I gave Carl the links earlier anyway. But I'm reopening um, the course for enrollment as of 1st of January. I'm taking uh, people do all these big gestures at this time of year. You know, you go on mm-hmm. Facebook, mm-hmm. taking the holiday season off. I'm taking three months off Facebook. I'm taking a month off. It's like, I, I haven't got time for that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm taking, um, I'm probably taking no time off at all. I'm taking a week to go visit family. I'm off, off for nine days to the UK for you know, a family Christmas with my father and so on. And um, all being well. He's lying in a hospital bed right now, so we're hoping he'll be out by the weekend when I get there, but we don't know at the moment. But again, this is what the cloud is for. This is what silence is for. It's for life. It's for life. It's not for us. It's not for me. Not for you. It's it's for life. So that's my break, a bit of travel and crazy family Christmas, wherever it'll be, hospital or home or wherever. And then because I kind of things get out of hand with me, it seems I'm starting the this poetry dojo on the 1st of January <laughs> because it just seems to be that there's an invitation to have a kind of place to offer this teaching. I've I was kind of hoping if six people showed up, then that would kind of confirm that it was the right direction that I was being called to go in with it. And like 19 people enrolled on the first course. So 
and people are already asking, you know, for, for follow-up. So I'm starting a mentoring program to offer one-to-one and group support to Ongo. And I'm offering um, a snows retreat in January. But for, for busy people, householders, who probably don't think they can even spare half a day a week, and I'm finding a way to do the equivalent of the Zen snows retreat or the rains retreat as you'd have in monsoon mm. uh, seasons. And so all of this will it'll show up on the sidebar of my site. Pat- patrons always hear about everything first because they're my patrons and they 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 make this possible. You know, they make this. You know that right. through your work. Right. I can't have a day job. Who would employ me? (laughs) (laughs) That's the laughter of recognition. (laughs) It's a meeting of the unemployable. This conversation has been so much about the positive aspect of silence and how it transforms us. We haven't even bridged the concept of the possibility of toxic silence. And I don't know... Has there ever been a time where you felt that, where where silence becomes not a um, a revealing, but a kind of an oppressing, or, or, or the times when it's used as a weapon as opposed to uh, used in a way that it's useful, or or has that not shown itself? That specifically, I would say, hasn't shown itself in my life, but. Mm-hmm. Um, what I am very aware of in some of the people around me in my life has been silence as a bypassing, mm. silence as an avoiding. Mm-hmm. And you can find a lot of people in ashrams and monasteries and Buddhist communities and no doubt Christian communities and various spiritual communities who are actually going into silence as an avoidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those are the people I want to go and pull out and get them out of silence to know what silence truly is. Right. And that's why today's class was called A Different Kind of Silence. Mm. Because it's the same word, but it's not the same thing. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And I recognize that in myself when I've when I've used silence in my life to avoid and I've, and I know the difference between those two. We silence ourselves. We silence one another. Um, we silence entire groups. It's amazing how this kind of, I don't know, politics of silencing is a thing. And, and any conversation of silence sooner or later sooner or later does need to need to enter into that conversation as well to yeah. at least to at least mark off as you suggested that there is a difference here and you know like you said it's the same word but it's not the same thing no it's not the same thing i don't know how we have such different examples from the same word but we do yep and it's because the word silence is completely inadequate for the kind of silence that we're talking about here. Right. To begin with, it's it, it's just a reference point. Mm. 
it doesn't even begin to touch on what it actually is. But other than that, I want to echo Cassidy. I, I'm kind of in a quiet meditative state and can just sit here <laughs> and partly don't care if that, <laughs> that like, let's just release like, wow, there's a long pause. Yeah, there is. What do you want me to here's say? The, here's the pause. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting because I think we've we've touched this in other interviews but I feel like we never touched it so quickly and so deeply as we have with this interview. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a deep bow to you, our sister in Portugal. Mm. We are, we are so happy that, to you. you know, that you're, um, this is a, an amazing gift of, of Patreon and, you know, and yeah, we, we are supported by Patreon too. So that, that has been a tremendous gift for us on a number of levels, but this gift of to meet, other people whose paths are paths that we resonate with. And, you know, that has just been a tremendous blessing. So thank you for your work and your, your words and your silence and for joining us yeah. today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It was quite a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Our pleasure. My pleasure, too. Thank you for listening to the Encountering Silence podcast. If you enjoy our ongoing conversation about the beauty of silence and its meaning in our lives, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or at our website, EncounteringSilence.com. You can subscribe to our email list at our website. Connect with us on social media, on Twitter at Silence Podcast, or on Facebook at Encountering Silence. And please visit www.patreon.com slash Encountering Silence. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Encountering Silence to become a patron of this podcast. Your financial support will allow us to continue creating new episodes and spreading the message of how vital silence is to our social, spiritual, and physical well-being. Thank you.